0: Hey everybody, welcome to Comedy Film Nerds episode 315, halfway to 630.
1: Nice. Got a lot to talk about today, too. We do, we do. we're going to be talking about Midnight Special, The Invitation, Mr. Wright, a new book by Ileana Douglas called uh, I Blame Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Um and some cool stuff coming out and we'll be uh let, 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 I think we should just jump right
0: in. Well, let's say just and we, we, I want to do this um because we're getting some new people listening every week. Yes. So uh this is I'm Graham Elwood.
1: I'm Chris Mancini. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you. Thanks for tuning in. This is a weekly movie review show um where we're going to talk about all the movies Chris just listed about and then. Talk to our guests about what he's been up to, and, and then and possibly some surprises, possibly some surprises, <laughs> and then talk about upcoming DVDs and theaters and the whole shot. Yes. So uh, this is comedy film nerds, and uh, I want to thank everybody who came out uh, to see uh, Variety Palooza at the uh, Hollywood Improv. It's the second time I've done that, which was a lot of fun, and then of course uh, recorded Pop Divas um, with uh, Joe Wagner. So we've got some new Pop Divas dates coming out. We'll release that podcast under the new Comedy Film Nerds Network of Podcasts. <laughs> I guess we're going to figure that out.
1: Yes. Um, as soon as we can figure it out,
0: it'll be up. It, <laughs> let's hope we get a, the first one released before yes. we do record the next one. But yeah, record. we recorded that show um, in the lab. It was a lot of fun and uh what else any other Uh, i just want to
1: say thank you to the um cfn fans and all of the other fans i've been meeting some new fans too on the kickstarter campaign for the graphic novel long ago and far away we've broken uh ten thousand dollars we're close to eleven thousand so we're almost halfway there it's very um very encouraging very exciting and i would just want to thank you guys and i know some of you were waiting to the last minute to uh support it and um might I just say, for anxiety reasons, please don't. <laughs> if, if you could maybe uh, in the next couple of days uh, help out, that would be great. We'll be talking about it more later and reading your hilarious and profane comments. <laughs> Those are They great. are absolutely hysterical
0: yeah bringing it's, them it's, later go if you go to the kickstarter the thing that i like about kickstarter in general and about this project specifically is you can see the art like you can see a proof of concept it's yes. not just some sort of like this will be cool that you're seeing right. it you're seeing what the artist is going to be doing mm-hmm. you're seeing what the concept is and so you know
1: yeah you can download a free preview there's like 15 yeah. pages of the story you could check it out uh some great artwork in there. some great art rewards too fernando really uh um, wanted to make sure like you could get like, commissioned drawings and all uh-huh. sorts of stuff. And and to, all the way to the point where we could, uh, we'll could we make your own comic book for you. Well, uh, if you do the $5,000 tier, I will write it. He'll draw it, ink it, uh, color it, and uh, even do the lettering. So it's,
2: it's and an all-in. the,
0: all the $1,000 level, if you come, yes. be an F, come t- take us to a movie and we'll do mm-hmm. a spoiler rep with you. Yes. So you can be in this garage talking about a movie
1: absolutely spoiler app. you get to pick the movie too mm-hmm. so it could be something horrifying and <laughs> like we wouldn't be him. able to say no we will uh kevin costner's
0: new uh, yes. trying um, to be like everyone's trying to be like liam neeson in the taken
1: mm-hmm. films i guess yeah you could make us see batman versus superman again
0: that's $1,500. bucks. <laughs> hey, we got char- to charge more for that. Gotta, like, come on. Like, this, uh, all right, if it's 1000 but then you're paying for dinner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, We're but, going to the food theater, yeah. and you're buying us <laughs> all dinner.
1: That is fair. I think that's a good compromise, um, but it is on the table.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to me be mad for two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, and thanks, everyone, for the comments on the Batman uh, Superman spoiler app.
1: Yeah, you guys are great. We got a lot of great comments, great emails, great mm-hmm. tweets. In fact, I got one tweet that was so uh, generous that I liked that episode so much, I immediately backed Chris's Kickstarter. for the. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there was a couple uh Martha apologizers who were like, the Martha thing wasn't that bad. Come on, man. I mean, all right, fine. Like I, me, I was two hours and 15 minutes into this bag of dicks. Like I didn't want to hear, I didn't give a shit about that i was so over the film so some people tried to defend it to me on twitter all right i appreciate that
1: I that's pr- interesting that that would be the thing that they would defend that's
0: the thing that that's the out of all of that you <laughs> know that wasn't that okay okay yeah sure and his helmet was with this bad eye vision is kind of cool <laughs> boo not the
1: 30 minutes lost throwing the spear away and regaining it oh god
0: just fucking keep this put the spear on a leash you know
1: what i don't think we can talk about this move anymore i think we just need to begin the healing
0: (laughs) someone on twitter wrote hey fuck that guy's letter that movie (laughs) (laughs) sucks." i thought about i do want to comment on this i felt like we gave that guy's letter a little too like because here's the thing two two things first of all every time we get a long tirade letter Usually, they do the very thing that they accuse us of. They usually accuse us of, oh, you guys make snap judgments, and then their whole letter is is
1: snap judgments,
0: a snap yeah. judgment on but, one or two things. Yeah,
1: you know what? I, I think as a as a policy, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I, I think if if, um, if there's an interesting point or a comment that you guys make on an email, uh, we will read it and address it, but it will be brief. It will be, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to keep it uh, uh, short. Afterwards,
0: I felt like, you know what we did? There we, was, we, we
1: spent too much time on
0: it. I felt like we did that thing you do as a comic when you're having a great show and you're crushing and there's one dick in the front row with his arms folded.
1: Right, and right, you go, and you and concentrate on that. Con- oh, I did a show with a guy like that once where it was, uh, I mean, I bombed horribly in this show and it was like a bar and a casino mm-hmm. and it was like it was like a horrible one-nighter right. and the headliner did okay and uh there were three college kids there that came up to me and said you were great i thought the headliner was awful and uh <laughs> uh the uh the headliner was entertaining everyone but those three people and unfortunately i had to drive home with them Ranted for the entire drive home about how those three college kids didn't like him, and he was like, Fuck them, and fuck them. I'm like, What do you care? Right.
0: What do you care? Right. <laughs> you, you know, I think we spent some time on the
1: dumb yeah, Yeah. Kids. So, um, so that, and that that's the great thing about podcasting is like that was kind of an experiment for us, and like, All right, you know, let's, you know, we we don't need to spend that much time on that anymore. Next we're, time,
0: if we hate a movie, we're going to rail it. And if people are like, I liked it, and for bad.
1: feedback, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we're just going to make it shorter. <laughs> We're not going to do that. It again.
0: won't be. It won't be uh, commensurate with the length of your email. Yeah.
1: <laughs> True. Um, So let's introduce our guest Uh, We are very happy to have him back Um, Another um, guest who's also a writer and has been with us for the last couple of years Writing some amazing content for the site And only in town for a couple of months out of the year So we like to grab him when he's uh, here uh, From the Australian Broadcasting Company Movie reviewer, podcaster, and playwright, C.J. Johnson
3: Good
0: morning, gentlemen Last time we saw each other uh, was for Star Wars. Was for the midnight screening of Star Wars (laughs) and the podcast at three in the morning
3: in Melbourne, which was just fantastic. And then we were what we recorded Steel's podcast that was about four hours long, (laughs) at least. (laughs) It was certainly longer than the movie. And then you and I, Graham, then did another one for my show, Movie Land. About six hours later, after you'd got Steel's and yours up, because comedy film nerds and Steel's both went out together and. You didn't show Because you just had to go to sleep Oh I, I I
1: literally It wasn't even like I bailed I collapsed Right and right it was Do like it. Yeah I was like End of stamina And uh, that's it And collapsed Like literally I don't even know if I um, If I Like Turned the bed down I might have just Laid down on the bed And just went to sleep. fell asleep
3: <laughs> There were a whole bunch Of visual yeah. jokes In that sort of Four hour podcast That I wondered How it would translate To, to the airwaves Because there were people Who were getting up In like with Highly specific
0: <laughs> right. Makeup and everything right.
3: But the guy who played George Lucas Was actually very Very good It was yeah.
0: so Steel just posted Some photos mm. from that And there's a photo He posted of George Lucas on stage, and then all of us doubled over laughing because he said some. I want to listen to that. I haven't listened to that podcast. I have to listen to it because yeah, I'm yeah. like, I want to hear how loopy, jet sleep deprived, crazy we sound.
1: Well, and the interesting thing about like what he said too, it was as hilarious as was what as it was. It also kind of foreshadowed what the real George Lucas would have <laughs> said, like, uh, you know, a little <laughs> yeah. while later. Like, he, was, he said, it's like, very well, how does it that, that Yeah, novel. yeah. Because
3: he got, he got a little cranky the next week, didn't yeah. he? Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, like, it's um... like,
3: how, how, you're not allowed to get cranky after you get $4.2 no no, 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 no. you're done. And yeah. what
1: did, uh, and, and seriously, it was the, the comment that fake George Lucas made was like, well, how does it feel to have your movies, you know, made by Disney? It's like, well, it feels like when everyone went and tag teamed my wife. Yeah, so
0: watching your ex wife get <laughs> gangbanged.
3: Yeah. yeah. <at> <laughs> And, then, and didn't he accuse them of being white slavers no, or something? No, 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 or and or the, child sex yeah, slave the, traffickers? The real George
1: Lucas did that. It's right. like It
3: felt like I sold
1: my yeah, yeah my, my project into white slavers. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's
0: like, I love that the real George Lucas was more offensive yes. than yes. a comedian in a pub <laughs> at three in the morning. Yeah, it was just so distanced from reality. But actually not that distanced from reality because a couple of weeks ago, a
3: friend of mine, a Facebook friend of mine, posted a photograph that he'd just taken of George Lucas in... The Adelaide Airport I don't know what George Lucas was doing in Adelaide a couple of weeks ago And he was just sitting there with like his You know um, you know, tra- food court lunch with his food court beverage of like a Coke and like this thing, and he looked for all the world just like any normal middle American or middle Australian or middle Germanic traveller, you know, except it was George Lucas and I was like sort of, you know, having, having $8 billion doesn't mean that you're still not eating at the food court alone and, you know, he's fat, so it's kind of schlubby and, you know... <laughs> <laughs> And it was very obviously him. It was George Lucas. There's no doubt about well, it. Well,
0: I mean, well, maybe he was doing a gig at the Rhino Room. That's a, fun, yeah. that's
3: a fun, <laughs> fun, i played it.
0: Craig Egan books it. It's a nice gig. But at that point, you want to go, like, shouldn't you be on a private jet? Like, having, like, Chilean sea bass? Like, what are you doing? Well, that's the thing is I think his tastes
3: might have never become champagne and caviar. You know what I mean? That he's still got the tastes of... Of everyone, and um, he just happens to have the kind of money, you know. He's got Picasso money, but he's got the dog that scratches the pool table with (laughs) the (laughs) cue.
2: Well,
0: I am here to say that if I got $4.2 billion for selling whatever...
1: You're not going to be in a food court.
0: You will never see me. I will fly above you in a private jet. And never land Never (laughs) land Or at least if you I will land on my yacht
3: Or at least if you really like things like McDonald's and Taco Bell Then build your own food court I'll have
0: a food court inside my yacht Or in the building
3: at
1: USC that you you funded
3: (laughs) Mm. Barbara Streisand, or was it Cher, one of them built her own shopping mall underneath her house uh, in Malibu or Beverly Hills so that she could go shopping and she would have it stuffed and she could go shopping, but in her own mini shopping mall underneath her house.
1: <laughs> that's like, that, That's like Michael Jackson building a Pirates of the Caribbean right. ride. But like, then you, oh, did he? Yeah. Did, uh, did, oh, did. Do you it,
0: it, hire extras to just like, you know, oh, bring a screaming toddler or do you like just get yeah. the whole experience? Like No, he just hired toddlers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like you wondered,
0: too. Hey, he like, didn't molest is those kids. He just admitted to giving them wine on, mm-hmm. in, on court. Do oh, you cry. guys
1: know
3: about the Bubbles movie?
1: Oh, about the chimp? Yeah. No, I didn't hear about this.
3: Okay. I think it's a Charlie Kaufman script and I think the same guy, Duke Johnson, who directed Anna Melissa, the stop motion Charlie Kaufman Mm -hmm. script is going to direct it again. So it's going to be once again, stop motion, but it's about Michael Jackson, but seen through the eyes of Bubbles the Chimp. Oh my God. (laughs) That sounds like it has me all over it. I can't
2: wait. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you had me at kaufman and bubbles the chimp like I that's know. all i need to know i to know. know that i want to see that that <laughs> yeah.
1: sounds like perfection yeah yeah it sounds like uh, amazing or something that shouldn't get made yeah.
3: <laughs> one of the, it's going to be one of the two either way. i'm sure uh, yeah, certain either lawyers yeah. <laughs> are thinking latter. i'm sure a lot of film fans are thinking the former um
1: so let's talk about midnight special okay. this is a movie that um neil absolutely loved he was really excited to see and then it just we hadn't had a chance to see it yet but graham you saw it over the weekend
0: um yeah i saw it and and i thought it was i i really thought it was fantastic uh michael shannon and joel edgerton uh are really good together and Kristen dunst uh or kirsten dunst is is oh, i didn't know she was in it yeah it's it's and when she first comes on screen you're like wait huh and, um, this, so this director, uh, Jeff Nichols that did, uh, Mud, um, which is another film I, I really like. And it, it sort of had that, uh, he also did Take Shelter, which I never got to see, but I, I, it, it, he, this, this filmmaker, again, just based on what I've seen, Mud and Midnight Special is really good at sort of showing like, the humanity, like you watch something in the news and there's a there's a criminal, there's someone on the loose or there's a thing or or, or an abduction or whatever and he really captures what that person is going through day to day in the little hotel room or wherever they're at on, on the run, you know. And so Midnight Special, um, I really found to be, it's a really cool little film and it's about and, and you got all this great supporting cast. You've got Adam Driver plays an NSA agent who's really good. Um, with a lightsaber. With the lightsaber, yeah. <laughs> he's still mad at his dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the kid, the little boy, is great. So he's this kid with this sort of special power. And, um, you know, it's, it's the beginning of the movie is really sort of like you don't quite know what's going on. And the filmmaker does a really excellent job of sort of slowly revealing... What's going on? And Sam Shepard's a part of this weird cult, and what do they have to do with it? I don't want to spoil it, and but then of course the NSA. Why are they involved? And so now, good did to see all
1: of the uh, d- when the government agents are chasing them. Did all of their guns get turned into walkie talkies?
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's <laughs> it, must be good to see Sam Shepard back on screen. Oh man, in, he has a couple of scenes in the beginning of the movie that are just fantastic. Um, when, because he's the head of the sort of weird religion cult thing and that's referred to as the ranch. And so there's all this reference of oh, the ranch and I miss mm-hmm. the ranch. Is the ranch doing this and all this stuff? And so Michael Shannon is the boy's father and he's you know trying to help and protect this kid. And so there's all these forces at play. And it's just, and it's really cool, in my opinion, science fiction. Um, it has some slow pacing to it, so I can understand why, because CJ, you were talking about the reviews on this have been a little mixed.
3: Yeah, it's it's. I've noticed it get incredible reviews, like people absolutely loving it. And whichever film festival it debuted at, I'm assuming it was Sundance, it was like absolutely lionized and everyone was flipping out over it. And then I have heard some reviewers who are just like, I've finally seen it. I can't believe it got so hyped up at that film festival. It's just like it's it's good, but it's hardly this amazing second coming of the next Spielberg mm-hmm. that it's been praised as. But you you guys know that. A lot of movies get overhyped at festivals. Yes, right. Especially Sundance. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. Sundance. And so solid three and a half out of five or four star films are considered like six and a half stars right. out of five <laughs> at festivals because the word goes round.
0: Well, and I think it's 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 you know, it's not fair to the movie. No. That that it, but that's, when we've talked about this yes. all the time on this show, how you come into a film can really color how you see it. It's
1: like if you saw Slumdog Millionaire later after everyone was telling you how great it was. Yeah,
0: after it got the best picture Oscar. Right. You right. saw this and you're like, really? Or the yeah. artist? Really? This yeah. got best picture? And if you see that kind of without much information and just go into it, you're going to be like, wow, this is a really solid film. So I think if yeah. you take, I, I, I will say this, there, anytime I'm watching a movie that has slow pacing, even if I am engaged, I always go, I can see why some people might just go-
1: Tune out a little bit.
0: I'm not. Why, why, what's the point? Or it takes too long, or I get it, or whatever. So I, for me though, I, I really I really did like it. And I think it's, it's, you know, Jeff Nichols does a lot of very personal one-on-one scenes, the way he shoots two people interacting. And there's a lot of scenes of-, of of Michael Shannon and Joel Edgerton and the boy in the car, so it's very tight and close.
3: Well, every single one of his movies has been a triumph of character over plot. I mean, for they're sure. all character-based films, yeah.
0: and I think this is no exception. Right, and this is and this to me and and I don't necessarily and it's not like oh the plot is so dumb. It, I like the plot. I think it was engaging for me, but it is. I would say go watch this movie for the characters and the acting because it's it's really. It's really cool, and would
1: you say it's more of a, a character piece than like a thriller, or it's both? Like, Th- it's both. Honestly, okay. it's
0: it's be- the characters draw help drive the thriller elements and the right. thriller story. It's thriller and science fiction. It's really unique, and I think sometimes when a movie. I, Covers a bunch of different genres, a little bit like that. I think sometimes that makes people like tune genre out genre hops, and they're like, ah, it's all over the place for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've accused other movies of that on this show, yes. but in this case, I felt like they, for me it at worked. least, it worked. It totally worked. I really yeah, like it it's when a fine line, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I really like it when guys like Jeff Nichols, who are primarily concerned with drama and character experiment with genre right. because often it can be really interesting and mm-hmm. sometimes it can miss, but even those misses can be, can be fascinating because if they're not adhering to the the rules of those genres, but are just delving their foot in, you know, it can be quite
0: fun. Well, exactly. Like when you're, when, when I'm watching Mud, I wasn't thinking, oh, this guy's going to be a great th- science fiction no, director. Right. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that at all, but yeah. he did it because- <clears throat> He, he, he did what you said. He, he, he goes in with what he knows. He knows character very well. Yeah. And then so he said, let's play around with this. And I would say to anybody, like, I, I don't see people like really not liking this movie. I could see somebody going to this movie and having it kind of miss the mark for them. But I think even if that were to happen to you, I think there's gonna be enough really good character-driven scenes that you're gonna come away going, I'm glad I saw it overall. Right. You know, even if there's Mm -hmm. some elements that kind of made you go, "Ah, I don't know about that, or or the science fiction, it didn't work for me, or whatever. It all worked for me. Mm -hmm. But um, and I and I really I I really like a character piece, and I like when you have amazing actors and what their motivation is, and as that motivation is becoming revealed, why they're doing these things, it's it's really it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I feel
3: human. I think Jeff Nichols might be running four for four with Michael Shannon. Right. I think he's made four films and they all have Michael Shannon. Even though Michael Shannon just popped up in a small role in Mud, Uh he was still there. Yes. And he's the lead in the other three. Well,
0: he's doing that thing that a lot of good directors do. If they find an actor that's... And Michael Shannon's a phenomenal actor (laughs) that works.
1: And they didn't make him a creep in this movie. He He was was great. He was
0: just a dad. He's just Mm -hmm. a dad trying to do whatever he has to do to protect his son who has... Special powers, right? And what you would do? Like that's the other thing too. Is is the the science f- fiction um, until kind of the end of the big, the sort of the the big reveal. But but it felt sort of like how would regular people deal with? Like how would mm-hmm. you deal with this? Which I always love that question. Like it's cool when you create some crazy science fiction world, and oh, it's a whole other world. That's always fantastic. But it always is. It, it is interesting to go like, what if just somebody with supernatural abilities? Are they an alien? Were they just born different? What is this, and how would this world deal with it? How would rural Texas deal right. with this? You know. <laughs> Cool, I'm going to see it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's. I, I mean, I'm curious, CJ, to, to find out what your opinion on this is because I see why Neil liked it. Right. So I, I recommend seeing it. And and it started out. I also like a movie you sort of sort of root for a film that starts out with a limited release. Mm. It doesn't have a lot of marketing money behind it, and yet it's it has gone to a wider release, which is like. That means it's building, and they're sort of doing an older release model, which I love. It's not so like got to have a big weekend or it's done, and they're kind of letting this movie build and letting word of mouth. Like that's the thing I like how now they're sort of using social media to roll movies out the way they used to in the seventies. Mm. You know, with with word mm-hmm. of mouth driving its its, its 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 the expansion of its release. So it's really it's really it's really cool. I would recommend it. Excellent.
1: Uh, well, the next movie is the invitation. And this one it's hilarious. I um I didn't know Jay Larson from The Crab Feast is actually in it. (laughs) And uh, I saw them last night. I did Crab Feast and we were talking about it after we recorded. It was like, Yeah, I've just been, you know, busy promoting the new movie. It was like the invitation. I'm like, I saw the invitation. It's like, yeah, I was in it. And like I did didn't put it together because he uh, uh it's a very different character than he would normally do. And um First of all, let me say something about this movie, this Invitation. It's it's a very fucked up film. It is a psychological thriller and it's the basic premise is a damaged ex-husband with his new girlfriend goes to his old wife's house for a dinner party to meet the new husband, but they have a very tragic past where their son had died. And... The entire movie is this weird slow burn, and it's, it's, I really enjoyed it. Uh, of a psychological thriller where, where you're like, well, is he just paranoid? Is he coming apart? Is, right. or is there something else, something more sinister going on here? Mm-hmm. And the movie does a great, great job of setting everything up and also giving you some red herrings where, well, it could kind of be this, but wait, it could also kind of be this but it never deviates from its own internal logic where if you look back and go oh well that doesn't fit what this was or what this was so it was very carefully crafted and put together and it goes to midnight special the um the same exact Um, And the the same exact – I don't want to say detail because it's not a detail. But the the same exact way you make this film is the way you make any genre film resonate is that you treat it like a drama. Yeah. so And that's what was happening here. Any really great um, genre film, whether it's science fiction, whether it's horror, whether it's psychological thriller – It all goes back to, is this really a drama with all these elements in it? Are there compelling characters? Are they just there to get slaughtered? And the answer is no. We get all of these characters set up when they go to this house, and we get to know them. And we also get to know what's wrong with them and why they're damaged and what makes them tick. And then as things progress, and they, you know, as any psychological thriller goes, as things get worse and worse and worse... Mm -hmm. It never feels random. It feels like, well, we've been building to this from the entire time, from not only the actions, but from the backstory of these characters. Everything meshes together um, like a really well-crafted drama with uh, characters that have been fully fleshed out. And that's how you get a really satisfying and resonated genre movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it makes it more terrifying, And that's the whole point.
3: Because there's so much reality to it and so much actual emotional depth to it. There's Uh so much emotional depth. I interviewed the writers who are a writing team, Matt Manfredi and Phil Hay, for Mm. my last episode of Movie Land. So go to Movie Land and check that out. And interestingly, they said exactly that. They said they set out to write a drama. And along the way, it became a psychological thriller. Or, I mean, you could also, in the proverbial... DVD store of the mind, stack it on the horror shelf yes. and you'd be allowed mm. to do that as right. well. But they started out writing a drama and that's why this film, more than so many films that also sit on those same shelves, has this ambitious level of emotional depth. I mean there's there's a theme explored in this film that I, I we don't need to talk about but there's a theme explored in this film that a lot of horror films or even psychological thrillers wouldn't dare attempt because if you mess it up, you – look like you're being manipulative. You know, you look like you're really actually being tasteless. Right. And this film goes there. It's ambitious enough to go with this kind of heavy trauma and it gets away with it. And it it allows that sort of incident to coexist within a film that is also very much a psychological thriller and a horror film.
1: Do you see? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, when I was talking to Jay last night, we're going to have him in to talk more about it, and he's going to bring uh, either some of the other actors or somebody else in from the film, so we can get oh, cool. some behind the scenes stuff.
0: Well, I'd love to. You know, the the director is Karen Kusama, who's done. You know, she's had kind of an interesting thing. She did Girl Flight, Girl Fight in two thousand, uh, and Flux and Jennifer's Body, and then did a lot of, a L- lot
3: of TV, lots of uh, lots of quality television. Uh, Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. Hold and Catch Fire, Billions, Casual. It's interesting. Her career is interesting because she did this girl fight and, you know, that was, I forget, I I assume it was Sundance, but it was the one that took the festival by storm. Yes. And also it was the year 2000 and she was partly lionized, hate to say it, but it's true because she was female. Right. And also she was non-white female or non-directly white female. And so you had this person who everyone was able to rally around and also had made a really good film with an incredibly strong female lead. Yeah, a, a yes. young
0: Michelle Rodriguez. A, a, a right. young
3: Michelle Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. So once again, a non-white female lead. Yeah. So you had a film that, you know, 15 years, ago, 15 years before Oscars so white diversity issues was a <laughs> <Yeah>. great <laughs> example right. of what is still trying to be achieved at other levels and it instantly gave her entry to the kingdom and so unfortunately she made the overcapitalized Aeon Flux. Which
1: was... Almost unwatchable, if, yeah. you, if you remember that film. It was really, really bad.
3: Yeah, and But you have to imagine that there was studio <laughs> interference. Because oh, for sure. When you give yeah. someone like her yeah. who's made something like Girl Fight that, right. you get to control it every step of the way. Oh, no. and you yeah. don't give them final cut or anything there, like there that. There were people yeah.
1: over her shoulder yeah. every step of the way, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and also you have it based on a, a very uh, popular animation property that was being shown on mtv all the time it was like this is you know this is don't screw this up this is our big property we're gonna make a fortune on in our feature film and um nope (laughs) yeah the other thing
0: too is 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 it was a it was a tough Mm -hmm. challenge in the sense that the animated thing on mtv was Was insane was insane it was just sort of cool visually it didn't Mm -hmm. have a story or real thick plot or dialogue or dialogue or (laughs) characters. So you had to really just take this thing that looks cool in this Mm. cool world and then add in all of this other story and which is, which is not necessarily easy. And to its,
3: to its credit, it once again had a strong female protagonist Mm. played by Charlize Theron. So obviously that's what they saw. They were like, Mm. we'd like to make Aeon Flux, Right. You know, we've got Charlize Theron, it's a female lead. We could get a female director. Right. The girl fight girl, yeah. boom. Uh-huh. And so, so you're setting someone up to really have a failure there, really. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to give someone who made who scrapped together and made this scrappy, cool little independent film to all of a sudden give them ludicrous amounts of money with your right. your highly highly valued franchise ludic- potential
1: property and ludicrous amounts of rules yes. Most likely that yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, unfortunately then jennifer's body came after that now i haven't well, seen this movie i loved it oh okay i was gonna say i th- i haven't met someone who's actually loved it so now that you're the first person i've ever heard really good.
3: it's a diablo cody script and while it no one could ever accuse it as being as good a script as Juno and um Young Adult it is still a really good screenplay it's really funny and really interesting it's it's a horror comedy Uh, mashup and it's really good it's a really good movie i would recommend check it out it also has a scene between megan fox and amanda seyfried i mean one they're the antagonist and protagonist Mm -hmm. once again it's two strong female leads in both uh, antagonist protagonist roles But, of course, at one point they get it on and it's like the best scene you've ever seen of two (laughs) really (laughs) lovely, lovely actors in their prime getting it on on a bed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's kind of up there with Naomi Watts and um, the other girl in Mulholland Drive. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. God, so I just ruined all my talk of diversity by explaining (laughs) the (laughs) great (laughs) benefits of the girl-on-girl action scene in Jennifer's Body, but it is a good film. It's a surprisingly good film. It got vastly underseen. Yeah.
1: Okay, well. Well, oh, now you've convinced me. I'm gonna go see it.
3: Cool. Okay. So now she's she went off and did a lot of great television and now she's come back with um with this really cool indie. And it's 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 a tiny indie. It's a one house indie. Yes. It's all set in one house. It was shot in an actual house in the Hollywood mm-hmm. Hills. Um in twenty days. You know, it's that real thing. But right. there have been quite a few You know, since the digital revolution, there have been quite a few single house horror films. You know, Coherence was a really good one from last year. I don't know if you guys saw Coherence. Really good sort of horror sci-fi Um, hybrid that's all set in one house. That was really good. And this one is really good too. And there have been a bunch that aren't very good, but this one, it really is. uh, Also,
1: compressed time. Everything happens in the space of a dinner party.
3: Yep, everything happens in the space of a dinner party. It's not quite real time, but it's Mm -hmm. it's almost real time. Mm -hmm. They only sort of, they only leap ahead minutes you know like if everyone went to the bathroom or at one point you know finally the food's on the table so they've left (laughs) together perhaps 20 minutes and
1: you do get some flashbacks for like some backstory but it's necessary it's not like you know nothing is used as a contrivance or a crutch Mm -hmm. like everything is used very very um, uh, competently and very very cleverly like everything from just a quiet scene of two people talking and uh, I just love the misdirection of it, like you know. Yeah. Well, this guy who's suspicious, but he's also kind of an asshole, and he's he's broken. It's like, is he projecting onto this, or is this is there weird shit actually right. happening? And
3: yeah, you're yeah. never sure. Even right. though it's his point of view, you're never sure how reliable his right. point of view is. It's exactly. It's your unreliable narrator, which is good.
1: And yeah, so it sets it up like, uh,
3: can I believe everything that he's perceiving right now? Yeah. Also, Karen Kasama is totally a visual stylist, so even though it's all set in one house, it's full of really cinematic touches it's It's very cinematic, the musical score is very big and ambitious, and it looks a lot bigger and a lot more ambitious than a lot of those films that are constrained by those budgets and limitations sure. are wouldn't you agree
1: yeah it was it's one of those movies too that um when you talk about the visual style, when you have basically a one-house movie, you wonder, well, how much could you possibly do? And when you look at what she did do is everything from, like, you know, you have like a little bit of a backyard. You have a bedroom. You have um, certain rooms are deliberately darker than other rooms. Yeah, the lighting is great. Yeah, the lighting there, – there's uh, – a. And not necessarily, like, the ambient light would really be like that. It's definitely more for tone. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of really cool, um, almost, like, subtle and subconscious things going on that the director is very aware of Mm. to put that sense of dread also as you're watching it. Because it is a slow burn. Mm. There's not, like, you know, a ton of action and things happen, you know, throughout the entire movie. You are leading up to a climax and that's
0: that's interesting mm -hmm. because you talk about you know obviously this is low budget you shot it in 20 days one location so there's a lot of restriction a lot of parameters and we've talked about this again on the show it's it's and again we don't know the specifics of of the internal studio meddling of Aeon Flux but there's big budget big A-list stars and you know you probably who knows what the script was like right. and then you give a you give a good filmmaker a really good script and and these parameters it's interesting to see what they're allowed to do in terms of like having to make that work on that indie level and i think that's where a lot of like the quote unquote magic of filmmaking happens yes. like we can't do this we can't do that we only have this amount of money Hey, how about this? And this that's what like a great idea.
1: Exactly. This is why indie film was great. Like, mm-hmm. like we want to see. I'd like to see more of these movies. And, and I'm sure when we talk to Che, he's going to give us stories of how hard it was to get financed and sure, you know sure. made and stuff. Uh, you know, we I'd like to see more movies like this. And it also goes to the the. That's other, not to say
0: Anflex couldn't have could have been done correctly. Some you know in the in the proper hands. You know, like if without whoever knows m t v studio man whatever happened, I mean whatever it was five, ten years ago
1: whatever. yeah it's a, but that that i I get your point though too, that was a very tough property to crack yeah. even you know in very skilled hands, mm-hmm. I don't know what you would have come up with
3: yeah yeah. <laughs> it's even hard to write the first word of that title because yeah, yeah. e, uh, it's hard to type um, that but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and this also
1: goes back to the most interesting thing. Sometimes, uh, actually, a lot lately, uh, being done in horror and thriller and psychological thriller, being done at the indie level. Rather, you know, studio horror movies—they're still not quite getting it right. And it's been years now. Like, what's the what's the best big studio horror movie that we've had? In a, a long. We time? Say there this Haven't ev- been
3: a good big one in a long time. One,
0: we say this every year because it keeps happening every year. Right. I just saw the. I think it was Insidious Two trailer. I've seen that trailer a thousand times. It's right. the same, they make the same mm. goddamn movie and you got to get an indie filmmaker right. in a house with whatever this budget was, 200, mm. 300 grand or a million or whatever the fuck it was. And all of a sudden you get this great inventive stuff which right. is this like- You might
1: be able to say The Conjuring. That might be-
3: That's the awesome. last one that everyone yeah. kind of agrees scared right. them. Anyone who's seen more than one horror film. Oh right? no, it was The Conjuring
0: too. The second, the new Conjuring oh, is about that with couple. The, with the
3: doll. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. I, as, soon, as soon as it starts i go oh, creepy kid annabelle creepy too yeah they're mm. all evan
3: <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> and they all have the the trailers end the same
3: but there's been really good independent horror oh, yeah. over the last couple of years i mean the witch and mm-hmm. spring i don't know if you guys saw spring mm-hmm. that was really spring, small seen, yeah. but oh, it's really good and they're, they're, they they don't they break the rules right that's it because they're not having a million Studio executives say, uh, we need to have the first big scare earlier right. or, you know, any of this stuff, you know, so they can take their time. They can build it up. The Witch is a slow burn, too. Spring is a super slow burn. They're all slow burns. Yet all three of those movies, this one included, like it pays off. Yes. It mm-hmm. absolutely pays yes. off. There's no doubt about that. And one
1: of the reason it pays off, and this is also a credit to the writing, is... Every single scene, every single character, every single motivation needs to be leading up to that climax. It can't be random. It can't like make no sense. Mm-hmm. And it was. You know, you look at that climax and you're like, okay, this mm-hmm. this is this is what was coming. I wasn't sure what was coming because of all the misdirection yep. and what was going on with the other characters. But this makes sense to me. I yep. get it. And it's, they earned it. Yeah, you earned it. And it's it's horrifying.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And may I also say that this lead guy, Will, the character of Will, is played by an actor named Logan Marshall Green who I've only seen in a couple of other films he was in Prometheus and then he was in something else but he is great this is going to be this is going to be his star making role he's going to become a star out of this there's no doubt because you know regardless of how many people end up seeing it insiders will see it it'll do well for its level it'll get a bigger rollout. it'll do very well on demand which it's already available it's on on demand and it's in a very few amount of cinemas and it's going to be rolled out over the next few weeks and he will become a star out of this Mm -hmm. he's kind of got a Tom Hardy quality an American Tom Hardy quality and he's really good and it's a it's a very complicated role yes for a dinner party horror film right <laughs> it, it really True. is it really is he, he, he gets to go through the whole gamut nice mm-hmm. yeah nice yeah. yeah
1: so check it out the invitation totally worth seeing we'll be uh, we'll be talking about it more once we have uh, Jay on and because I really want to get some kind of behind the scenes actually would be a good spoiler app to do
0: well that's what we should do yeah. you and I should mm-hmm. do, I'll, I mean I'll go see it and then we'll have Jay on and do a spoiler app
3: yeah that's a great idea. There you go Done Spoil it up You can get it on demand Or you can go see it At the Arclight In Hollywood at the moment Mm -hmm. Okay Mm. All right. now next movie
1: Is Mr. Right Now we had talked about uh, This last week This is like a rom-com With a hitman
3: Yeah yeah. Right Sam Rockwell And Anna Mm -hmm. Kendrick So same exact distribution model As The Invitation On at one cinema In Hollywood at the moment Well not in Hollywood In Santa Monica actually Graham It's at the Lemley's Monica You know They finally redid that Near you Yep So it's on there And it's also on demand and if it does well, it will roll out. Now, I, I don't think it's going to do as well as The Invitation, so I think what you'll find out is the rollout of The Invitation is bigger than the rollout of this, okay. but it's, it's, the, its starting point is the exact same distribution model, okay. which I, I wanted to see two of those because I heard you talking about the fact that because this is kind of a, a fallow time for, yes. for big budget films, we mm-hmm. may as well point out some of the smaller ones yeah. and the ones that yes. are being day and dated with VOD. Mm-hmm. So
0: what... This so the budget on this was eight million dollars.
1: So what did you think of
3: this movie? Well neither of you have seen it?
1: No.
0: Okay. It's it's
3: Anna Kendrick and it's Sam Rockwell, and yes, the the hook is very, very simple. She is a troubled young lass. And she's just broken up with a boyfriend, and then she meets this very charming, charismatic guy. I mean, way, way older than her, but let's just smooth over that. <laughs> That's part of what they've been doing forever: Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. And um, and they um, and she meets him, and they instantly fall for each other. There's instant attraction. And the complicating factor is that he's an international hitman. And not only that he's an international hitman, but he's an international hitman who, because of something that happened to him while he was on assignment in a war zone he's actually gotten a bit mentally disturbed and has sort of angered the rest of the international hitman community and he's gone he's gone gone rogue within that community so people are trying to kill him so you know here he is trying to meet cute with this lovely cute little girl and take walks in parks but snipers are trying to shoot him and and, and she stands in the way so it's a good setup isn't it Mm -hmm. and the thing about this film is it's written by Max Landis mm-hmm. and, you know, he's sort of gaining this reputation as a uh, a good screenwriter, uh, John Landis' son, and I think he wrote that, that, that crazy big... Um,
0: American Ultra he wrote. He wrote American Ultra. He wrote Chronicle. And
3: Chronicle. Chronicle was where he suddenly became, you know, a screenwriter and right. in demand. American Ultra was not well received Mm -hmm. by anyone although i have met people who love it but most people don't right okay cool yeah well i think probably you're seeing similar in fact i wouldn't be surprised if one is a later version of the other in a way you know that he started down a path and then he did american ultra and this because they're still couples you know it's still it's still boy girl and guns right you know and um and that's the thing about this this is you know, the the real log line or the the pitch to the studio is it's romcom meets Tarantino or romcom meets Elmore Leonard style in that you've in the Sam Rockwell world you've got a bunch of comic guys with guns you've got criminals with guns right. so besides the international hitman community trying to kill him there's sort of this crime family trying to kill him and everyone's getting getting meshed up so that feels very much like tarantino verse where there's a lot of a wisecracking dialogue but they're not afraid to show someone getting shot in the head with blood mm-hmm. and then on the other hand in the anna kendrick world it's a straight up rom-com <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's the that's the collision and that is quite funny i think It completely lives or dies by how much you respond to the sheer cute factor of Anna Kendrick and the sheer kind of cute charisma of Sam Rockwell that he's always had um, because they both are adorable and they play off each other very, very well. And the dialogue between them, I mean, it sounds written. I think Max Landis is one of those screenwriters, but so does Tarantino. His stuff sounds written. It doesn't mean it's not brilliant. You know, it just sounds sort of literary. It sounds heightened. Mm -hmm. And so does Max Landis. Like none of what they say would actually be said by anyone in real life. It's not realism. They're always cracking wise. No one could think that fast, you know. Um, And so if you buy into just the two of them being funny with each other, you'll possibly quite enjoy this film. It, it, It always feels like it should be, 10% better. It always feels like it's never quite overtaking mediocrity, except when you get to the final seven or so minutes, it just all works. And at the end of it, in retrospect, you suddenly feel like, wow, I just had a great 95 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I ended the movie with this huge smile on my face and even goosebumps. And yet for 80 minutes of it, I was kind of going like, I get it, I get it, it's good but not great, you mm-hmm. know, very much like three stars out of five if I'm being generous and that's only thanks to the fact that Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell are so good. Right. And then at the end you're like, wow, that was really actually quite special. <laughs> it comes together really, really well as, as a rom-com. You know, as a love story, it comes together and it it works, yeah. And it does not, this is once again the sheer value of independence, it does not play by the rules. It does not, you know, there are certain things in it that studio executives would be like, no way, and throw it across the room and be like, well, no, they can't do this, but in this film they do it and that's what makes it worthwhile. I'm great. It it has no real... um, It has no real sort of, uh, well, I was going to say it has no real directorial flair, but it actually does because his skill is that he's in touch with, the currents of the universe. So if someone like comes at him with a knife, he knows how to dodge it or he knows how to grab their hand and move it around, you know, very oh. much like martial arts. So but he has
1: spider sense.
3: He has like spider sense. <laughs> yes, he does. He has like, he has like spider sense. It's all that. And that's his special skill. And you just have to go with that. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost supernatural how well he's got it, what? you know, and he's been trained supposedly, but supposedly he's also got it. And so every time he fights hand to hand, it's it's a joy to watch. It's fun because there are very 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 intricately choreographed hand to hand fights, kind of like that Keanu Reeves movie of a couple of years ago that was all that. Um, oh, right. One, that guy's name as as the title, and so um, the international hitman one, the one where he played. Oh, in I international know what John. Did yeah, 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 yeah. Which was only John something. John John something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John- John Fisk or something. John, John Fisty Kick. John yes. Fisty Kick, which was only fight choreography. Anyway, yeah. so you've got a lot of that in here too. And the other thing is, it's all set in New Orleans as well. Mm-hmm. Now, New Orleans, I think, kicked in. I think they kicked into the budget because every now and then oh, yeah. the story will totally stop, and you'll see like a riverboat or, or... John Wick. John Wick, that was yes. it. John Wick. So it's like it's like John Wick. If there was also a rom-com right. in John Wick. In fact, that's what it is. It's John Wick meets, like, Anna Kendrick rom-com.
2: Ah, oh, wow. With well, Sam Rockwell. All
3: right. all right. I'm in. But look, it's it's not brilliant, okay? Like, if, if you're picking a movie, you pick The Invitation right. over this one. Right. If you're only going to pick one, mm-hmm. it's still very only a three and a half out of five, but it's okay. Okay. And kind right. of charming. So it's not a right? disaster. No, it's no, not a disaster. Right. No. All right.
1: All right, so... Uh, if you're picking invitation, then uh, Mr. Right. Uh Okay, we have a sponsor uh, this week, Spare Min. And if you don't like talking on the phone for more than a few minutes, you hate having to give out your phone number to people you don't know, and maybe people, some people that you do know, Spare Min is the app for you. We were talking about this.
0: One of the many uses of this could yes. be dating Uh uh-huh you want to have like a five minute phone call but don't want to give out your number
1: or speed dating without being in front of the person without
0: being in front of the person like it's a real like entry-level dating app you could use because someone could you know you could say all right let's meet me on spearmint we'll talk and if if they're weird at five minutes and they're like hey can i get your number you're like out of time sorry
3: (laughs) (laughs) i thought of another usage of it too because it lets people know when you're ready to talk you could use it for, like, people who you don't really want to talk to except when you've got a minute. Like, right. you know, your building manager or the guy who's been pestering you to come do the thing that you don't really want to do. <laughs> and when you've got the five
0: minutes, then they can call you. Yeah. yeah, you could say, hey, just talk to me on this spare man for five minutes. And You
1: could create a cast system for people you interact with. Yes, that's what I'm talking <laughs>
0: yeah, about. family yeah. members. Yeah. I mean, you could do a lot of stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> CJ is ready to talk now. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so yeah it's a really cool app guys you can download it for free
1: and you could also record the calls share them socially or keep them private
0: yeah and so um we uh, a couple of the interviews i put out publicly um that we did and now we have one with our intern aaron bungart who uh went to go see at a charity event the two um back to the back to future one and two yes and talks about you know
1: the experience of seeing them in a graveyard.
0: Yeah, and, and he had never seen them on, I don't think he'd ever seen them on a big screen before. Right. Um, yeah, so he saw them on a graveyard. So here's a spare man uh, with our intern, Aaron. Hello. Hello. Well, here we have comedy film nerd's intern, uh, Aaron Bungart. How are you doing, my friend? I am good. And how's work going in the comedy film nerd's
4: garage? You know it's it's tough, but it's fair.
1: <laughs> he needs to work a little faster.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh good. Chris is there to
0: crack the whip uh all right, guys, so we got about four and a half minutes uh so aaron wh- what's a what's the movie you wanna talk about today on the uh spareman app uh
4: well, I was gonna talk about the uh the thirtieth anniversary uh they did a screening for Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2 at Cinespia at Hollywood Forever uh, back in October.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Hollywood Forever is a uh, cemetery, by the way.
2: Yes.
0: So you like watching movies around dead people. why um, <laughs> top, wh-
4: if possible. <laughs> well, what about these movies 30 years later still resonates with you? Um, I mean, it's just, it's remarkable how how much of like, almost a Capra-esque classic the original is. Um, I think as a kid, I was always super into the second one, Back to the Future 2, because it, it you know, the future and they are flying cars. and um, But I think when you watch them again now as a, you know, 30-year-old, it's like, oh yeah, that first one is the classic, and 2 is kind of a comedically silly kind of like mm. the way superman 2 goes off the rails uh as opposed to the original you know the original Donner cut right 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 and then so that the
0: now do you think a, a kid watching these movies today would ha, would it would resonate with them the same way it did with with us when we saw these films
4: i would think so because even you know even i'm not really the generation that, you know, I'm, I wasn't Marty McFly's age. I wasn't 16 in 1985. I was three. So right. I didn't see this movie until, you know, I probably saw it on TBS, you know, cause they would, they would play it constantly um, mm-hmm. in the nineties. So, so I think why not? You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm not of its generation. My parents, my parents are, would have been, a, no, I guess they would have been even younger than, than the um, Lorraine um, and his dad George in a movie, so I, I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool experience too, because of what they, you know, they had a ton of DeLorean set up, and you, <laughs> you, you know, they had a professional photographer and a fog machine, so you could take pictures with this DeLorean. I have some ridiculous ones where I'm trying to, you know, reenact the the DVD cover where we're all staring at our watches, <laughs> you know, in front of the open DeLorean. It was really cool. The
0: thing I would say too, I love it when they when they redo these movies and show them. There is something to be said about watching them again on the big screen.
4: Yeah, and I I never you know like I said I was three when it came out, so I never saw, I never saw it on a big screen. I've seen it a million times on Blu Ray and DVD, but never never on a big screen and with a you know with a ton of other fans. And it was also cool And Dead Bodies And Dead Bodies, yeah Who were also fans Yeah Um, Aren't aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah And there was You know And and all the profits Went to um, Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's Foundation as well Oh, that's great And they had a He had a little video To to intro it It was really great I got You know I got a little teary-eyed When Doc Brown died um, Or Undied I guess You could say (laughs) Right Spoiler Spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, that's
0: cool, man. Yeah, that is fun when you see those those retro movies and everyone, and because everyone went to go see it, they are excited. So there is the the sense of nostalgia that sort of creates the buzz when you're seeing it, which is part of the whole experience, I think.
4: Yeah, and we totally would have. Every I think everyone there was down to watch the third one as well. If they if they'd have, you know, would have gone another two hours, but I I think we all would have done it. <laughs> yeah, no one would have left. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we're just running up, uh, almost out of the five minutes here on Min, but Aaron, thank you so much for your time
2: yeah.
4: and for
0: watching the the uh, Back to the Future movies. Now get back to work and stuff envelopes. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you, Graham. Bye.
0: All right. That was uh That was pretty cool. That you know? was. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing a couple more of these uh, for the next month or so with spare men. So we're yes. going to have some more people.
2: One of them we'll, may even be CJ. We may,
0: may, may wrangle CJ into
3: this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it's great. Because like I look at my email, or
3: I guess I look at my messages, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it says Graham is ready to talk now. So all I need to do is pick up my phone, hit the button, and boom, it there we just go. happens then.
0: Yeah, start You're talking, done. and then yeah. you can yeah. line up a bunch of callers. And I know I've said this, but I actually will, guys. Uh, I'll pick a time. Maybe next week when I'm in Vegas mm-hmm. and I'll just announce on social media, hey, I'm going to do some spare men and then I'll talk to you guys for, you know. I'll five
1: t- minutes at a time. Five
0: minutes at a time. You can ask me whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. We'll do that. How's that sound?
1: And then once you're done, don't get back into the line at the end and then try, yeah, to, try I mean, to squeeze I'll 10 minutes. I reckon I don't like,
0: hello, and then do another <laughs> voice. Like, just be for real. <laughs> don't, be don't be a spare men dick. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, so, what do we want to talk about? We
1: want to talk about now, CJ. Um, you had just read the book uh,
3: by Ileana Douglas. I blame oh, Dennis yes. Hopper. So, yeah. what, what did you think about that?
0: I thought I should bring
3: a book to the podcast because mm-hmm. you know it's a book about movies, and it's it's just been released. It's called I blame Dennis Hopper. Ileana Douglas is a very funny actress. I'm you know once you if you if you can't picture her straight away, just Google her, and the moment you see her face, you'll be oh her. She's yes. terrific.
0: She's done a million.
3: Thank She's done a million things. She's also famous, you know, as these things happen because she was also Martin Scorsese's main squeeze mm. for quite a while. They are no longer. And she goes into that, but this is not a personal book in terms of, like, my mother did this and my father did that. I mean, it does that, but it's not about relationships and stuff as so much as it is her love of movies she was born to go into the movies or become a film critic because she's born loving movies the title of the book comes about quite funny because her father went and saw Easy Rider and then decided to become Dennis Hopper and just absolutely mm-hmm. went full tilt Dennis Hopper and not only grew the beard and the hair and started smoking all the dope and calling everyone man but established a hippie commune and basically <laughs> wow. went, went and lived out the back from her and her mother and established a commune. And, and, and her mother and her kept living this sort of suburban life, you know, 100 feet away from their dad who had gone full tilt Dennis Hopper. And so <laughs> wow. she blames Dennis Hopper. And, of course, later on in life she got to meet all those guys and work with Dennis Harper and everything, Um, she's really funny. Her writing style is very, very funny. And as she talks about the movies she's made and the movies she's loved seeing, um, it's just delightful. It's one of those books where – every 10 pages you're like okay gotta see that you know oh, and you cool. write it down because she either mentions a movie that she loves or mention that she movie that she worked on that you're like oh i've got to see that because you get the inside scoop well,
1: well now wait a minute does she talk to dennis hopper about the influence that he had on her dad yeah, yeah oh that's yeah. great oh, yeah wow. she that's absolutely
3: fantastic. does and, and the way that ends up happening is really really funny actually because i think i think she she was on a on a movie set with him it was her first job with him and she got concussed and was out and when she came to he was over
2: her going <laughs> hey hey
3: and she was like i gotta tell you something you know like <laughs> i mean that's how funny the book is and also she's not afraid to dish like there are a couple of movies where she's had terrible directors and she'll devote a chapter and just talk about why this director was terrible and how mean or how awful. And I love that, you know, because you want to read a bit of that, don't you? And so that's really funny. And also some actors that she's worked with who are very, very, very famous actors who have – have not been very cool on sets with her Such as, I mean, Sacred Cow's like Vanessa Redgrave She'll pull down Like who goes up against Vanessa what? Redgrave? Ileana Douglas does <laughs> Later in life she became really successful in, in, a, in this sort of branded content thing Like she made this whole web series With the set in an Ikea That um, wow. did very, very well for her So she was early on in that sort of thing She talks about getting, you know Hanging around with a lot of people from Hollywood Who get stoned a lot and talking about stuff because there's that. She's sort of crossover. She's older than us, but she's like probably a bit younger than like the people she kind of got engaged to for a while, the Martin Scorsese right. level, you know, so she's somewhere in between. But, you know, she, Brian De Palma is one of her best friends, you know, and she'll talk about like what he's really like and he sounds like an absolute kook, you know.
2: <laughs>
3: it's really good fun. It's, it's good fun and it's a book you can pick up and put down, you know, it's not War and Peace. You know? no, right. Yeah. And if you listen to the audio version, she reads it and so she reads it with all the comic timing that she gave, that she intended when she wrote oh, it, man. so that's even better. You know, uh, I recommend cool. that. That's great. Yeah, very cool. All right,
1: all right. Should we go to uh, DVDs?
0: So DVDs.
1: I uh, want to talk about the forest. Now, I haven't seen this film yet. This is a horror movie that came and went very quickly, and it's an interesting premise. Here is the thing about like a movie like this: you wonder, like, like, well. You know, where where did this movie go wrong, the way it disappeared so quickly? Have you seen it, The Forest?
3: No, I mean, um, I heard about it, and not not well. No, not no I haven't heard
1: anything good. But I, I, I love Natalie the premise, Dormer, though. Natalie Dormer, right? Na, yeah, yeah, love the premise. She has a twin sister. The twin sister disappears at the uh, base of Mount Fuji in this forest, which is known for people going into
0: and committing Scapin', suicide. Yes, the suicide forest. Yes, and it really is. Right? It really is. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So.
3: I so love, already there's so many ways that they could be tasteless with this beautiful old tra- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> mythological tradition. <Right. laughs> but
1: but I, I feel, too, there's also a lot of opportunity for really interesting storytelling here, too. Oh, yeah. So you, uh, especially you have um, basically a foreigner going into a, um, a different country, but also coming up against all of the mythology and the customs and the cultures and all these things that would be um, part of a mystery that she would have to un-, un, kind of like unpack as she's looking for her missing sister. So that's the premise. Um, I don't know how well it got executed. <laughs> I'm not sure. I watched the trailer and the trailer is just every single horror cliche that you can imagine. Right. It's like it's a ghost scare and you know foreigner in a place and, and almost to the point where it's like even god you're even taken from lord of the rings like stay on the path in the forest don't go off the path and like you know what what do the ghosts not you know do they stay and they not go on the path uh how do the ghosts know where the path is uh so all, all these like kind of thing like oh man another like great premise that looks like it did not get executed properly because i was excited when i heard about the idea of this movie And then when I saw the trail, I'm like, I don't know if they really did anything with this. Is this
3: the same forest that I think Gus Van Sant just made a movie set in this forest with two guys, one American, one Japanese who go to the forest to commit suicide and kind of end up talking each other out of it? Well, maybe. I
1: that's a don't great, know which movie a, you're talking about. That's
3: a great,
0: maybe it that the actually happened.
1: Forest maybe or is that it happened. A haunted forest? Well, no, maybe it's,
0: that it's may... literally called it's the suicide forest. Yes. In yeah, Japan.
1: but I that think... would make it haunted. Really? Yeah. If all yeah. those people <laughs> went and killed themselves, it yeah. would make. I it think
3: haunted. Gus Van Sant just made a movie set in this same well, forest, maybe. but one of his more like oh. existential Jerry. type Or maybe movies. Gus
1: Van Sant just went into the forest
3: and bumped into Natalie Dormer. Yeah. So um I don't know how 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 expensive does it look? Is it is it a, it, is it does a, not look expensive. Right. It's a
1: cheapie. Yeah, yeah, there's um uh a little money on travel. Right. for uh, for key crew and uh, Natalie Dormer. Now, obviously she And she plays a twin, so right. chances are She it's,
0: she's it's yeah, th- th- it's his movie you're, you're right. He did make a movie. It's called The Sea of Trees. <laughs> right. No, and uh Gus Van Sant made it and it's a suicidal American befriends a Japanese man. Uh, lost in a forest near Mount Fuji and the two search for a way out. So that's the same for This is an actual force that exists where people yeah, go yes. to commit suicide. Yeah. There's signs up, don't kill yourself, don't kill
3: yourself. Right. And obviously, like Georgia and New Orleans, about two years ago, they suddenly started offering incentives for films <laughs> to come film
0: there because all of a sudden uh-huh. two films went shot there. Yeah, so this that one this is actually with Matthew McConaughey and Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts is in it. She must be
3: in flashbacks. She must be like the wife he left behind to go commit suicide.
0: It's it's crazy.
3: Can I just ask how is because I've only ever seen Natalie Dormer in Game of Thrones, and she's fine in that. But all she has to do is walk and talk. How how is she? Uh, How's her performance?
1: Well, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, you haven't seen the movie? No, I haven't seen it. I just saw the trailer. And I will say in the trailer, you don't get to see anything because it's all like cheap chairs and and shocks and screams. Uh, Just so
0: The Sea of Trees comes out April 27th. So there's now. So this one, uh, the forest, is on DVD, and Sea of Trees, the Gus Van Sant Matt McConaughey movie, is coming out April twenty. So
1: there is competing suicide tree movies.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dueling dueling suicide forests. <laughs>
3: therefore, at least one person in this world is going to take home the wrong one. They're going to take home the Gus Van Sant sad elliptical yeah, no Intelligentsia in this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and, that- and someone is going to ta- hope they're getting. <laughs> Van Sand, and they've got to take <laughs> home Natalie Dormer in the forest. <laughs>
1: yeah, running from ghosts. <laughs> uh, All right. And I, well, Natalie Dormer, she is a, a fine actress, and she was also in The Tudors. Uh, which, oh, which, which is interesting saw. but you know you go from the Tudors to game of thrones it's not a big change no from you know a, a conniving princess
3: yeah or whatever she, she's yeah, she looks a like a very attractive conniving princess yes right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. all right um so the other movie is justice league versus teen titans this is another one of the dc animated movies i've actually heard nothing but good things about this movie i haven't seen it yet i'm excited to see it Um, A lot of the fans have already seen it and said it's great. Um, If you're going to see a DC movie right now, see that one. That's what people have been saying. So check it out. And one of the things that um, the DC animated universe has been doing lately is they've been putting out two different types of movies. One of them... uh, Bad and good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That too. That's it. That, that too, it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Really bad ones and then some good
2: and ones. And
1: they each need different marketing campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have the animated movies. They come out and one of them is like, one, one type is like a standalone. It's just like, you know, you watch this movie and it's done. But then the, what they're doing with the rest of them is they're making an interconnected DC animated universe where one movie will reference the next and they'll move, move forward with. Like one of them right now is Batman's son. Damien. So you know you have son of Batman, and then you see him in um, movies that uh, continue. So you see some of these characters are continuing, and the voice actors and the actual interpretations of these characters, which are correct, uh, they proceed from movie to movie, which is interesting. So they're but they're not doing all of them, which is interesting. Where they have only some of the DC animated universes will uh, will interconnect, and other ones will just be one offs. So he had a son. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Uh Damien. And uh with he, who? With uh Talia. Uh, oh, not Gul's daughter. Yeah, with with Natalie. <laughs> 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 yeah,
4: Did she yeah.
3: know he was Batman or was it a Bruce Wayne <laughs> thing? No,
1: no, it was knew it was Batman, uh drugged. You know, and she uh, raped th- him? She,
3: she ro-hipped him Yeah <laughs> She chucked a Cosby on him <laughs> Batman got cosby The uh um, I
0: tell you It's cool they, uh, uh, Let's put it this Talia way
1: Agul. She uh
3: Lowered his
1: inhibitions With a drug right.
3: That's got a Damien
0: Poor yes. Damien That's gotta
1: make Just the
3: early teen years A little bit harder But they, they also When that's they, That's your conception story But they also have Had like a relationship too My dad who dresses up In spandex <laughs> yeah. Got row
0: hipped By the daughter of Of a, an immortal yeah. An immortal yeah. Yeah. And who runs the League of Shadows And yes. I'm getting C's in math
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> And that's a, that's actually the, the story that makes it interesting is, is where Well, is he going to become an assassin Or is he going to become Robin And that's where You know it, it, So <laughs> Those are his choices <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's pretty it. much it Yeah Sidekick no, no, or killer Yeah No normal childhood Sorry. for you
0: <laughs> But dad, I, just I wanted want... to be a CPA
3: right.
2: yeah. he just wanted to play
0: soccer Why no. can't I do
3: that? I want to sell real estate Not on Wayne
1: Manor <laughs> Sorry,
3: kid What would you do? Would you become Robin, or would you... Be- I'd become an assassin. I wouldn't want to go work for my dad after that.
0: <laughs> i have to wear my dad's weird <laughs> outfit. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, you're and you have working your to... dad or your grandfather, one of the two. Oh. God. <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: Then you got to work for- If you're an assassin, you're kind of working with your mom. Like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Mom? Oh. I wanted to kill that guy. No, honey, I'll show <laughs> you how to use a sniper weapon. Uh. But if
3: you're an assassin, you might meet Anna Kendrick. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. There
0: you go.
1: So now for the uh, site spotlight, we want to mention, uh, Neil's got some great content up there right now. There's Born to Be Blue Review and also his weekly film news are amazing. And now I wanted to mention the Kickstarter for long ago and far away again. Uh, you guys have been putting the most hilarious comments. And we talked about uh, putting foul mouth comments on. And I will read you now the uh, ones from last week. Andrea Hope writes, looks great. Oh, and Fuck. So good, getting in the uh, Japanese uh, contingent. Yeah, very cool.
0: She Thank was, you so uh, much. Very much in the earbuds crew. Yes, she and, was uh, indeed. It was a, a brief appearance in the movie,
1: and uh, could not have done it without her. She was uh, one of the one of our wonderful guides as well. <laughs> Picked us up right at the airport.
0: She was amazing. Oh,
3: um, I didn't pick you guys up at the airport when you came to see me. She trumped go. me. Yeah, I yeah. know. We're just
0: CJ's. Just like, ah, get a cab. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Everything's in English. <laughs>
0: What's, What's your problem? What do you need my yeah, <laughs> the cars are on the other side of the road. Yeah. You yeah. can't handle that.
1: <laughs> Marcus Hodges, 91st backer, but just squeaked into the top 10 comments. This is what I get for being late listening to the podcast. Fuck. (laughs) Uh, you've got a fucker
3: all going on. Oh, you do, right? Yeah, Yeah,
1: okay. (laughs) Uh, Love the podcast. Fuck yeah. In the top 100 backers. Joseph Bridges, point of order, dear sirs. (laughs) Fuck, 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 shit fuck, fuckety, fuck, fuck, all the way home. Damn fucking shit fuck, fuck. That is all P.S. fuck. (laughs) Point of order. Yes. Very (laughs) point. My cat like all the best fuckety fuck wishes to you and your new project chris i fucking know that it's going to be fucking great tyler harper i don't like to swear can i just say i freaking support chris mancini and everything that film nerds do freak yeah poop
3: (laughs) sorry mom i know you listen to all the podcasts i go
1: on but i
0: didn't know this was coming (laughs) tyler you're quite a gentleman sir
1: yes so um Please keep up these wonderful comments. In they're very supportive and profane. So you could either mix those two things together, or whatever you guys want to do. We will read them on the. Uh, you're no longer restricted to the fuck rule.
0: Whatever, whatever wanna, creative whatever. comment
1: you want to put, uh, oh, we will read nut, it. Freaky. Yes,
3: you should change the word every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what should we change it to? Shit. <laughs>
2: <Let's change>. Asslicker.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say cockwagon. All right,
1: let's do uh, cockwagon.
0: <laughs> you gotta say cockwagon. You
1: say cockwagon, and uh, you could break up the word, or you could put it together. However, you want to use it.
3: You do what you want with your own cockwagon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The first twenty minutes of hate for later set in a cockwagon. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much seventy millimeter. Cock yeah, a seventy millimeter <laughs> cockwagon.
3: <laughs> 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 who's the biggest <laughs> cock starts out with one cock in there then a second cock comes in and then they bump into Walton Goggins and yes. a third cock steps in yep.
0: a lot of cocks in that wagon so yep. here
1: are your choices um, I hate you for don't... eight cocks yes you can um, not curse at all you could try to work in the word cock wagon or you could um, do a film reference or do a film reference oh that's a good one too how about that all right you know what let's do that for this week let's do i like that the best let's do a film reference film reference some people
0: are already gonna write cockwagon yeah yeah.
1: how could you resist yeah Uh, let me put it this way i'm not going to discourage the use of (laughs) cockwagon
3: but i will encourage uh using a
1: film reference reference.
3: i am going to go find a drummer and a bassist and a guitarist just to form a band to call it (laughs) cockwagon
0: Well, they can open up for the Whistling Banes on the next uh, world tour.
3: And I will say we've got about
1: 20 days left. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. We passed 10 grand. We're almost at 11. We do have uh, a long way to go, still 28,000. And uh, the truth is, I cannot get there without you. We've been, uh, I've been doing a ton of podcasts, a ton of outreach, but ultimately it's the Comedy Film Nerds fans, you guys listening right now, whether you're at work, whether you're um, working you out. And you great, man. You yeah.
0: funded the first year of the podcast You funded yes. Earbuds, and now you can do this thing.
1: Yeah, and we, I, I, I really, on a personal note too, this is a very personal project for me. I really, really appreciate it. We appreciate all the support you've given us, but this is... From me personally, thank you so much. And
0: it's because there was so much like potential, oh, this is going to happen. And, you know, a lot of times, as we've talked about traditional media, just kind of goes, Yes. Eh. So it's really cool to sort of, you know, when this funds... To say here yet again, we've circumvented the system, the right. gatekeepers, to make this cool thing. Yeah, and you guys are helping with that yet again, which is awesome.
1: It's yeah, and it, it just it means the world to us. It really does. So, uh, and I know, like we said, a lot of you are uh, maybe waiting to the last minute. Um, could I ask that please? not maybe you could yeah. <laughs> help out a little uh, sooner so uh to so help Chris with the uh, an yeah yeah that's definitely uh helpful as well um so please uh check out the kickstarter like i said it's uh, you're supporting me you're also supporting fernando pinto the artist you're supporting a, a great project and all his support artists and you could check it out. There's a video, there's sample artwork, but you can also download 15 pages of the comic and some bonus material too, so you can really check it out. Thanks again, Long Ago and Far Away, and if you're, this is the first episode you're listening to, the premise is... That basically, it's a comedy Narnia where you wonder what would happen to the kids that go into Narnia. They save the world. Now, what happens when they're 30, have dead-end jobs, run a comic book store, and they're kind of jerks, and they have to go back in that world again. And they're more interested in making jokes about who would win in a fight, Conan and Harry Potter, than actually saving the world.
0: All right. Now,
3: I just wanted to mention a uh, a quick film that I think your listeners might like. I'm not sure when it's coming out on VOD. Just quickly, it's a documentary called "I Am Your Father." And it is about what happened between David Prowse, who obviously was the man inside yes. the Darth Vader suit, mm-hmm. and Lucasfilm that caused those two entities to go out of favour with each other and the fallout between those. So it's, it's, it's very much pro-David Prowse and oh, it, wow. it's, it's an interview with David Prowse essentially. It's like the filmmaker goes to his house in Croydon in England and there's a lot of David Prowse and then he does something else with David Prowse that's really quite interesting. But along the way it tells you this series of events that started out way back in 1978, like with uh, just post the release of Star Wars that caused this rift that has meant that David Prowse hasn't been invited to an official Lucasfilm or Star Wars convention in years and years. Wow. Because there's some, and this, this, this film is essentially about that rift. Wow. So just knowing, you know, a certain segment of your audience, I'm sure, would really like to look that up. It's a documentary from Spain, um, so I don't know when it'll be re- released on VOD here, but it will be at some point because it's certainly got an audience it's in english and it's called i am your father
1: it does it i wonder if it has like a lot of archival footage in it too
3: um no it doesn't i've seen it okay. um it doesn't because i guess they couldn't get a rights to it, a lot right. of that stuff so right. it doesn't Well, that have makes a,
1: sense if there's a rift
3: yeah <laughs> but um but it is it's it's an investigation it's like a bit of a, a sherlock holmes thing and he he, he does interview some many some pretty major people like um, Gary Kurtz and one of the other producers of the first two Star Wars films are both interviewed and they give their honest opinions because at some point, like Gary Kurtz, he chose not to do Return of the Jedi. So at some point he and George Lucas stopped working together, so he pulls no punches talking about what happened between George Lucas and David Prowse.
2: Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's interesting. Right. It's That's interesting. Cool.
3: I am your father. I've also got a Bubbles update. Um, Dan (laughs) Harmon, Dan Harmon is producing it and oh, wow, the guy really? who created Community yeah, and he's a really interesting guy I think. So he is I think the
0: podcast Harmontown
3: Yeah Harmontown really interesting so I can imagine that the combination of him Charlie Kaufman and Duke Johnson and stop motion animation <laughs> will be really good especially since one of the things that happened to Bubbles was he was Jackson's constant companion until he became over aggressive and was moved to a monkey sanctuary in Florida Oh well perfect. <laughs> so you know that's where it's headed. Bubbles becomes over aggressive. I think Dan Harmon did he he also uh, helped produce uh, Anomalisa. He was an executive producer yes. on Anomalisa, mm-hmm. which was a Kickstarter movie.
0: Nice, yeah, I like it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: um,
1: uh, okay. And premiering this week, uh, Barber Shop: The Next Cut. I didn't realize they were making another one. Yeah, Boy, those this,
3: posters are all over Hollywood at the moment. Yeah, it's. Intru-
0: I've seen a trailer for this, and I'm curious because mm-hmm. I liked the first one. The second one kind of didn't didn't right. work. Uh, this one is really, it sounds like the focus of it is taking back the streets, like there's mm-hmm. gang trouble and they want to, they want to do that commons <laughs> in it. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. The first one was, I was really cool. I thought the first one was lightning in a bottle. And as we've talked about a, a lot on this episode, on the show, it's hard to do a comedy sequel. Yes.
3: Um, it almost feels like a reboot, doesn't it? Cause yeah. I think this is the first time since the first one, they've got everyone, from the first one I back,
0: I think that's what this is a little bit. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting. to But see. the
3: original was was an indie, right? And this yeah. just this just smells like a clean studio movie. It
0: does. I, I'm i just hesitant. I'm hesitant. Yeah. I like like I said, I like the first one, so I want it to be that. But I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if you
1: can do. Well, that. the next movie is Criminal with Kevin oh, Costner.
0: God, <laughs> he takes over uh, a body. I, I
1: have to read this. What do this we is,
0: know about this?
1: I'm going I'm gonna read you the description right now, and you will not be able to contain yourself with anticipation to see this film. Okay. In a last-ditch effort to stop a diabolical plot, Ooh. a dead CIA operative's Ooh. memories, secrets, and skills are implanted into a death row inmate in hopes he will complete the operative's mission.
3: Wasn't that stop Lost last year wasn't that the same? Oh
1: no, this was the same uh, plot of a hundred other movies. Okay, right. (laughs) Uh, Even you could go to Demolition Man. You could go. You could go all the way uh, with
3: Nigel Hawthorne. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So uh, I don't know. And as soon as you see this. Premise and Kevin Costner,
3: like I, I, I think I'm out. See, the Ryan Reynolds out. is in it too. Oh uh, no, yeah, I'm out. Well, he's I'm he's out. the dead dude, right? Yeah. So it's like is he's it, done this dead guy reading The new, young new, hot guy you want to see is the one that dies, and instead you get your dad's guy, Kevin Costner. I,
2: Ryan,
0: yeah, I I saw the premise and I was just like,
3: oh. I like Ryan
1: Reynolds, but also he'll
0: take anything. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to do this anymore, Deadpool. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: But
0: wasn't Ryan Reynolds also the
3: dead guy in Stop Loss, the one yeah. with Ben Kingsley?
0: Is it's it's not stop loss, it's uh,
3: No, not stop loss. That's actually a coming home from the Iraq War yeah, movie. Yeah. So don't get those confused.
2: <laughs> <laughs> too
0: but I know what you mean. That was um, And it's
3: not face off selfless. Self slashless. Yes. That's yes. right. Yes. Self slashless. list so
0: Ryan Reynolds is the top um New person in an old body actor in Hollywood. I guess you oh only have gosh. to do a
3: week. You know, yeah. you just go for the first week. <laughs> then then the old geezer, whether yeah. it's Ben Kingsley or Kevin Costner, does the rest of your role. Can you imagine? Look,
1: Ryan, I know it's your favorite. I got another Freaky Friday movie premise for you.
3: <laughs> I suspect he'll be in Deadpool 2.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Please. Um, Now, the next movie is... Deadpooler. ...is is The Jungle Book.
3: Yeah. Deadpool. Deadpooler. Deadpool, Deadpool. (laughs) The Um, deadest pool. Deadpool deep.
2: (laughs) The deep end.
3: That's it. That's it. The deep end. They got to go with that. They got Deadpool too. (laughs) They got to go with that. I
1: hope so. I hope it's something really insane. (laughs) Yeah. Like they do, like a tag for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Jungle Book. Now, this... I. I'm baffled by this movie. This is one of those movies that it's it's such a brilliant classic animated film. It's also based on, uh, you know, the Kipling stories, which are great. And why would you think, you know what? This really needs to be turned into live action, for mm-hmm. sure. It's like turning a Bugs Bunny cartoon into live action. Like why would you why would you ever want to or bother?
3: I think right. the so. I think the gimmick here is and the selling point is it's all these mega famous actors are all doing mocap for the animals right so it's going to be like oh wow bill murray as like Blue a big the bear uh, right. as a big bear mm-hmm. and ben kingsley as the snake well, i'm not sure if those are the corresponding animals but i've seen the names on the billboard yeah, right. and i've seen the animals so i've been trying to guess yeah. which ones would be which and and you know what that almost grabs me like i'd be curious to see bill murray do mocap?
1: Have you seen the original animated movie? I never have Okay
3: No uh, if, Once you
1: see that and you realize how they got it completely perfectly right Right You'll realize that there's no reason for this to exist at all ever
3: I bet so. you it's gonna make
0: $400 million what? I don't know Chris I, don't, I, don't I, know. I feel like I, I, I mean the, Yes the original is great It's classic mm-hmm. Disney animation It's a really cool story uh, But I kind of I'm, I was, I'm curious at this and I, I love the original, but I am curious to see, because I did see a trailer, and it is Bill Murray doing a bear and stuff, and yes. Idris Elba is the mean tiger and stuff like that. And I, I am curious. it kind of intrigues me. It, is, it does sort of okay. intrigue me. It might yeah. it might work. And uh,
3: also, it is, I mean, it is, they've got the property. They do this, you know, every now and again for a new generation. Sure. You know, who are more used to this than 2D. But here yeah.
1: here's, here's, I think, what I from what I've seen, and it may not be completely like this, but this is what I basically object to, is you're trying to take that property, that specific animated movie, and then just making it live action. Because you have, you know, you hear the songs, or the animal's going to sing, or like, are they going to do kind of exactly what it's going to be? Now, if you went back to the source material, and you made maybe a new Jungle Book that wasn't, because the the original Jungle Book stories they're not quite as lighthearted as the yeah, uh, as the animated movie. Now, if you went and made like a different version and just went back to the source material and made it darker and maybe a little more of an adventure story, then I could see that more the in live action. To me, though, it I don't know. It, to me, it didn't. It just felt like more of a like we're a live action version of the animated movie. Now, maybe mm. I'm wrong. Maybe when we see sure. it, it's uh, it won't be that. But that's definitely the way it seems to be be uh, presented.
3: All right, mm, I think I think. I think it probably will go back to a little bit more of the book mm-hmm. but won't go all the way. Right. Like I, I don't think there'll be anything in here to stop you taking your 11-year-old. You know? yes. They'll, they'll want to make sure they get all the money. Yeah, right. exactly. But, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't think they're going to sing, for example. Right. I think it'll be a bit closer to the book. I mean I'm just looking on my, uh, on my iPad at the, at the poster right now and it kind of makes me want to see it. You know, Christopher Walken, Scarlett Johansson, Giancarlo Esposito, and the animals look really nicely rendered. Kid looks cute, looks like a nice forest. I mean, I want to see that more than I want to see, for example, a straight-up animated film, mm-hmm. yeah, which I find very difficult yeah. to make it through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all, all
4: right.
1: right. Well, let's see how they... Uh, let's let's it see how the let's dice see. rolls. Yeah, yeah exactly. a either way. Let's see how it's executed. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, um, if they do all those things and it's not like a remake of the animated movie, then I'd be a little more on board. Uh, okay. The Green Room. Not the Green Room. Green Room. I
0: saw a trailer for this. Ben Kingsley... <laughs> he's mentioned not, a lot in I this know, podcast. He's playing a <laughs> mean, evil dude. Which I think really, you're
1: thinking of Patrick Stewart.
0: All oh, right, yeah. same thing. All guys. No, you're right. It is Patrick Stewart. Ben
2: what? Kingsley
3: did that in Sexy Beast. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Patrick Stewart's turn. You're right no. to be the bold
0: English lesbian who goes against his good-hearted nature to yeah. play a dick. What's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, you're right. It is Patrick Stewart, <laughs> and that's the thing that getting, is getting all the buzz. I saw the trailer, and the trailer looks. I can't, can't tell. I was like is this just like a Saw movie with an indie band? That's trapped in a thing
1: That really looks like that. And that's like what What you're The opposite of like What we've been talking about With these thrillers right. And horror movies Like now the, This is just Fodder You know yeah. These kids are trapped And now they You know One by one They're gonna be Executed by um, Picard and his Unruly mob
3: <laughs> Yeah It's a band Versus Picard Basically yeah. yeah, It's got Imogen Poots One of my Absolute favorite Young mm-hmm. actresses Anton Yelchin's in it The cast is good
1: Yes so I don't know. I saw a trailer, and it was interesting. They they not only have a trailer, they also have like a, a little behind the scenes where Patrick Stewart talks about how um, he was attracted to the material, right. and really, I think it, it boiled down to him just, well, I want to play an, I want to play an asshole.
3: Oh my <laughs> god! Really, let him yeah. do it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the guy who directed Blue Ruin. Did you see Blue no, Ruin? No, I did not. Mm-hmm. Blue Ruin was awesome you guys have to see blue ruin fantastic tiny american indie of a few years ago that was awesome 2013 yep so this is his uh follow-up movie all right all right yeah that suddenly makes me instantly want to see it yeah so maybe they
0: cut a trailer because they think they need to cut an insidious 5 trailer so they just saw trailer, right so that's Mm -hmm. what they cut together and the movie's far better than that i hope so all right
1: okay next movie is sing street this is an interesting. idea it's like an 80s music movie set in dublin so it's really got that 80s vibe to it for sure it's a coming of age romantic comedy kind of thing romantic comedy Mm -hmm. drama and uh but you know kids trying to get the girl and wants to start a band and it really looks like a uh almost like a john hughes movie but with uh set in dublin like like that kind of, and it really looks like that's the vibe they're so going for, for yeah, well, sure. Well,
3: it's John Carney. He made right. Once. Mm-hmm. And Once was just absolutely yeah. beautiful and seamlessly blended, you know, drama and music. Right. So he's the guy who can put drama and music together. Right.
0: I, I liked to begin again. I mean, yeah. I thought- Oh, did I, he do Begin Again as yeah, well? he did Begin Again. So that's I, what he
3: does. He does music-based drama. Is he like a yeah. UK Cameron Crowe? Oh, he's Irish. I think he's very Irish. Yeah, John Carney.
1: John Carney. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, mm. But uh, I don't know. I guess I guess he is like a, a an Irish Cameron Crowe. An yeah. Irish Cameron Crowe. Yeah. His, his mm. movies seem to have to need music based right. in right. the world. Where of they
1: music. make they make music a character yeah. in the film. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for
3: sure. Right. I'll check it out. Sounds interesting to me. All yeah.
2: right. Well, I don't again, like the title,
3: Sing Street. Yeah. So it sounds weird. a little juvenile. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it does <sound> like it's
3: <laughs> a dance-off movie. I picture the poster for Newsies when I hear yeah. Sing Street. You know what I mean? But in Dublin, so it's even cuter. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like leprechauns. Or it's called in Electric House. Avenue or something. Yeah. yeah. Sing yes. yeah. uh, <laughs> Street.
1: So, again, a lot of um, more interesting indies than... You know, big studio movies coming out, for sure. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff to uh, check out, and some of it is already on demand, which is great. You could check it
0: out right at home. Yeah, which I think is what I'm going to do for... For maybe the invitation or Mister Wright. Okay, Mm -hmm. guess what?
3: Sing Street, Begin Again, and Once all have guitars on their posters. Yes, Uh there you go. And a guy and
0: a girl. Yeah, a Mm -hmm. guy and a girl and a
3: guitar. That's
0: that's what he does. (laughs) That's incredible, isn't it? He He keeps making variants of the same poster. (laughs) No matter that he should do like you know. A sci-fi thriller, but it's a guy with a magical guitar right. that shoots lasers or something, and that's still on the cover. Like you should never. It's like see you next Wednesday. Like it should. It should be in all of his movies.
3: They just they just get out the file for the poster and replace the name, you know, change the font, and then they stick new heads. Yeah. So <laughs> from, from that guy from that Irish band,
0: then to Mark Ruffalo, and now yeah, yeah. to this <laughs> dude.
3: That's great. <laughs>
0: All right, guys, well, that's episode 315. In the can. In the can. CJ, where can people find you? Listen, what's up? Please listen to the podcast Movie Land. Just go to iTunes
3: and search for Movie Land, all one word. In particular, based on what we've been talking about today, you'll find that my most recent episode recorded in, here in LA was with Philippe and Matthew Manfredi, the writers of um, of The Invitation. Nice. And we chat to them. I chat, I chat to them for half an hour, and it's a really good, interesting, interesting conversation, especially since they've also worked in the big leagues. Like they've got the franchise ride along. Which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, They wrote Aeon Flux, um, and they also wrote the first of the Clash of the Titans movies. So they're used to working under the studio system, and now they've got they were producers on the invitation, and now they've got this total control for you know a smaller movie. And it's they talk a bit about that, which is really really fascinating Mm -hmm. to hear. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at CJMovieland. Follow Movieland on Facebook by uh, searching for the word movie land in Facebook groups or events or not events, but you know, pages. And I've got one other thing that I wanted to alert you about, but I forget. So do yours and I'll try and remember what it was. <laughs> um, oh yeah. You can read my written reviews at filmmafia.com.au. The AU is for Australia. Film au. Yeah. And
1: of course, uh, CJ has some great uh, reviews on our site as well.
0: Yeah. comedyfilmnerds.com Um, I will be uh, in Vegas next week, uh, April 19th to the 24th, headlining the Improv at the uh, Hollywood Improv, uh, at the, the Improv at the Harris Hotel. <laughs> um, and then I am headlining in the Chicago area at uh, Zaney's in St. Charles, May 6th and 7th. And then Portland, Oregon, I haven't been up there in several years. I'm headlining one night, May 12th, at the uh, Helium Comedy Club. It's a Thursday night. It's an 8 o'clock show uh advance tickets are 15 bucks so buy them in advance uh i love that club helium we did the comedy film nerds uh show up there for ballot measure 90 Mm -hmm. Um, it's a great club it's a great club thursday nights are a great night up there i love so portland many of you have been asking me online graham when are you gonna come headline portland so i'll be there may 12th helium comedy club very
3: cool i've remembered my other weird thing yes (laughs) yeah totally um As you might remember from when this podcast began, I am also a playwright and one of my most renowned and award-winning 10-minute plays called Boris the Rottweiler is coming to Hollywood to the Short and Sweet Hollywood, the biggest little play festival in the world at the Stella Adler Theatre starting on Tuesday the 3rd of May. Nice. So if you look at shortandsweet.org, you'll find out all the details, Short and and this this is a huge short play festival. It's been all over the world. Sydney, Melbourne, Mumbai, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Canberra, Hobart, Auckland, Wellington, Manila, Habari, Bangalore, Brisbane, Penang, Chennai, Delhi and beyond. And this play, Boris Rottweiler, has played in all all of those places and it's finally going to be playing here in in Los Angeles in Hollywood so you oh, that's great. go check it out check it out if you like my unique blend of comedy and pathos yeah <laughs> <laughs> now it's, it's 10 it's 10 minutes it's a, yeah it's so like the a whole thing. evening will be uh-huh. about like 10 10 of minute plays right. and this will be one of those that's so
1: cool. so what do you call it like a playella
3: um no you call it a short play short play <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no, a short, film, short play yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they they specifically because uh, this short play festival started quite a while ago they, I think, kind of specifically call them 10 minute plays because I uh-huh. think they, they max them out at 10 minutes. Oh, I see. So they can mm. be shorter than that, but they call them like 10 minute plays. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that classic thing, like when you go see a short film program, if you don't like mm-hmm. one, just go just to the bathroom. Just wait a and couple minutes. Back, yeah. yeah.
1: Another one's coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I've been doing a podcast tour. You can hear me on uh, Cord Cutters, Current Geek. And I've taped a bunch. I'll be on um Crab Feast. I'll be doing Doug Love's movies, um Dork Forest, the Kira Sultanafit show.
3: What did you get? Uh, a podcast agent? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as you have a Kickstarter, you gotta go on every Everything, single one immediately. Everyone. Yes. You yeah
3: pull
2: around yeah. Yeah. everyone. Yep. <laughs> everyone. That's the
1: thing about a Kickstarter. You have to work on it like every single day. Yes. Um so they will be dropping soon. I'll also be doing um a couple other ones that are coming up. Uh possibly uh oh, I know. The this one's really fun one. Sean Merrick at the Sideshow Network. This is the worst collection ever, where oh, he gives you body, yes. two comic books to read like in advance. Like so, I read them on you know online, and then you talk about each single. Uh, and page he finds and the worst, yeah, and the p- worst possible comics and it's too. Such it's a great. blast
0: to talk about. And you there, talk about each page,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. And and there because there's literally jokes on every single page, and uh, they even found like a character I had never. Uh, heard of before it was like valor who was like uh, went around with like superman and like all these this weird character then there was a great uh, uh iron man one um a comic where he was with uh a kesar and then the villain wanted the armor so he made iron man strip off the armor and iron man Wearing nothing underneath the Iron Man armor. It was hilarious. Ah. You see see Iron (laughs) Cog? No, you you see Iron Codpiece. That's as far as it goes. But but it's like, you know, you think maybe you'd wear something under the Iron Man armor. Chafing. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So that one's a really fun one. And then we did, uh, Graham and I both did, uh, Jimmy Flam's Gatekeeper. That will be up soon too. That's a really good one.
0: Oh, I forgot to say this. Uh, We're recording uh, episode two of Pop Divas Um, Monday, May 9th. It's another happy hour, 6 p.m. show at the lab at the Hollywood Improv. So um, come by and check that out, guys. All right. That's our show, everybody. That's it. Um, My name is Graham Elwood.
1: And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first. first. Aeon Flux. (laughs)